Welcome to episode 23 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me in X-Men, the animated series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and I don't actually know at this point what I'm doing on Twitch or YouTube or anything like that. So I'm just going to say I am one of the hosts of this show. <laughs> and I'm Rod. I'm also a host. Or I'm, I'm more of like a listener. I feel like I'm like an elevated like audience. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm learning things. You can find me on, I, I do music on Spotify and stuff and also Instagram and Twitch and, tw no, not Twitch. Actually, Twitch is the only thing I'm not on. Anyway, Rod Kim, look it up. Uh, <laughs> Cyclops was waiting for me is our weekly recap. Sorry, Cyclops is waiting for me, not was waiting for me. <laughs> well, maybe, no, that was a dirty joke I was getting remake. Anyway, <laughs> Cyclops is waiting for me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the animated series in the original intended script order building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Some quick reminders, we are a recap show about a series that came out 28 years ago. I I missed the script note and I almost messed it <laughs> up, but I fixed it. it. There will be spoilers. If you don't want it spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, come back. We don't know if you have to watch it on Disney Plus or if you have to go to Amazon Prime because episodes randomly disappear. Rod, shout out to your buddy who yeah. discovered that for Thanks, us. Eric. We will do our best, however, to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes that we have not yet covered. And we are currently not sponsored or affiliated by Disney or Disney Plus in any way, despite the many horrible things that we have done in our lives we are very open to that sponsorship yeah. <laughs> and don't forget to follow us on social media at cyclops iwfm pod on instagram tiktok twitter and facebook how is our tiktok doing still random as ever i think like we fluctuate between hundreds of views to like less than a dozen perfect and although our reels seem to be yeah know, we go okay. from 12 views to 3600 views yeah and there's no consistency so follow us on all that stuff and make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services I, i'm gonna assume probably just one but if you're feeling you know extra giving then you can follow some multiple podcast services except for facebook podcasts r.i.p <laughs> I sent John a screen cap of an email after all the trouble he went to to get our podcast on Facebook. They sent us an email like, oh, by the way, this is going away like in like two weeks or something. Two, yeah, by weeks. the time you've heard this, it's no longer on Facebook. <laughs> and finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news like what we just talked about, the upcoming series or anything else, we're a few weeks behind. Also, I don't know if we'll get into any of this in this episode, but we have seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is the opening weekend. No, we're not this. talking. I, I'm calling it right here. We are not talking anymore about Doctor Strange. Okay. I, I don't know because like, I, just we just never know when things connect, but probably not. But just in case, if we do, we'll give a spoiler warning. Although by now, it's been like two months since the movie came out, so you should be fine. Plus, our last episode went two episodes long instead of a single <laughs> one, so our production schedule is all thrown off. But now, on to the show. So today, we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2, titled Out of the Past. They aired on July 29th and August 5th of 1994, and they respectively sit a 7.5 and a 7.4 on imdb rod you ready for this let's go for it this was, this was another like pretty heavy one so we will get into more details on our next episode but one of the biggest things that is jarring is you see the visual change in the animation style in this episode compared to the first two seasons mm -hmm. i have not read the chapter of the book that describes <laughs> as to why this happened yet but you definitely see changes in the way that characters are drawn changes the way they're colored gambit has lots of blue on him leech has a lot heavier shadows on him but we'll talk about that in the next week because also we're tired and this is the <laughs> 
end of a long recording day. But like I said, Leech. So Leech, who is one of our favorite Morlocks, the kid who can cancel powers in the movies and in the comics, and we're not really sure what his power set within this show is. Telekinesis. Yeah, telekinesis for fruit, is being chased by these robotic men. Rod, initial thoughts, who are the robots? I know now. Well, you know now, but what was your initial gut check? All my notes said the cyborgs are chasing Leech (laughs) until they call themselves the Reavers. Yes, and there is a woman who is accompanying the Reavers on that chase, and she has big metal claws. Did you recognize her? Yes, big fan lady Deathstrike. I think I actually had her trading card was the first time I saw her. Now, was it the X-Men trading card set or the Marvel Universe trading card set? I can see the image in my head, but I can't remember which one, which set it was. I think it had like a sandy, like brown background, and she's like coming at the... Sandy brown background, probably a black or red nameplate at the bottom. Yeah, I think so. That, that would have been Marvel, Marvel Universe Series 2 specifically. I think that, that sounds right because the the, uh, the X-Men ones had the border on it, right? Yeah, there was a, yeah. either like a purple or a turquoise and stuff like that around. Yeah, those. she was really cool because she she was kind of presented to us as like the female counterpart to Wolverine. Until we actually got the female counterpart yes. to Wolverine. <laughs> the thing that stood out to me from a design and animation style is she had these little like robotic aspects on her skin. They look like little metal panels and such. Very similar vibe to me of the techno-organic virus from the Cable episodes, actually. Yeah, and I didn't know until re-watching the episode that she was cybernetic. I know they said it back then, you know, I watched everything, but maybe I missed it or just forgot about it. And even when I saw the cards and stuff, like, has she always been cybernetic or is that the show? No, that has been an aspect of her character is she is somebody who was not born into the mutant life and, and augmented her, okay. her body. So we'll get into that gotcha. a little bit later in the episode. But Leech is running. He he comes across the Morlocks. We don't need to go through all the Morlocks because yeah, so they, they don't last that long in this episode. Essentially, the Morlocks have tasked Leech with finding this weapon. They're going to use that weapon to unlock an alien treasure. I feel like attacking mercenaries, not the best life choice. <laughs> so we haven't seen Callisto since season one in the Morlocks episode within that that season. She has now stated she wants to regain the leadership of the Morlocks. And I think there's a little bit of an open room for interpretation here since we as the viewers haven't seen it since season one. Has Storm been a good or negligent leader to them if we are not getting any exposure to what that, that life is? Yeah, I, my, I don't know if this was their intention, but my impression was that at least Callisto, maybe all the Morlocks. The other Morlocks, we don't get enough to know how they feel. Callisto either is just jealous or she feels that Storm has been negligent uh, and just not been around because Storm didn't want to be the leader. Right. So it wouldn't be surprising if Storm just kind of like didn't ever show up again. And it could be a combination of the two. Like there's, there's definitely the possibility of jealousy, but if you're jealous and that person is not showing up to actually be the leader that they claim they were going to be of getting them out of the shadows and the sewers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, you have extra reason to be upset because now they're not even doing what they claim they were going to help you out to do. Yeah. So this group, and, and by the way, let's just straight up call them by their name. They're the Reavers. Mm-hmm. And did you know about the Reavers before the show? Because I do know they did get action figures, and that's sometimes the way that you that's reveal figures. Way. But I don't remember where in the timeline they came out, if they were already out, because we got certain characters in the action figures before they appeared on the show. I I, I want to say, and this is just a guess, that the action figures came out later than the show, but I don't know. I remember the, the guy with the tank, like bottom The treads, hat. yep. 
I remember that action figure. I don't know if I had it, but I remember that one being out there. And if I'd seen him in the show in this episode before, I didn't remember him because he just kind of blended in as a henchman. Right. So, But I know about the Reavers, not by name, but by presence because of the action figures. So the Reavers catch up and Callisto doesn't want them to get to the hidden tunnels. The Reavers have these net guns, which the shape of the gun they stole, quick tangent, very similar to the shape of the gun that Bishop had. Oh, yeah. The, the the physical design, I don't know if that was intentional or they just had, here are the standards and practices approved versions of guns that aren't going to get us in trouble because, to its credit, it does not look like a real real world version of yeah, gun. Yeah, it's like a, like a laser tag thing or something. Right. So, Reavers, net gun, everybody. The Lady Deathstroke grabs Leech and basically says, bring me to the buried treasure after interrogating him and finding out why he stole it in the first yeah. place. They, they go for a little bit of a walk and they see this alien spaceship, which has, you know, writing on the side and these weird sounds and stuff like that. And then Death Strike doesn't look for a door. Yeah. She just literally is like, you know what? I'm just going to slash my way in. And when she does that, her claws basically cause this green gas to like emanate from it in this bright green light, which shines through stuff, which is actually mm. a pretty cool thing because it's like, it's an energy burst, but it's also like a visual light. And, you know, different monitors have this weird writing pop up on it, including all the way in Westchester, which I don't know how. So for somebody who doesn't live in the Northeast ever in your life, mm-hmm. how close do you think the X-Men mansion is to Manhattan? Oh, I mean, so is is Westchester considered like upstate New York or? No, it's 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 like close to Manhattan. Actually. Oh, OK. I yeah. I, I I actually just assumed it was in like the non-city part of New York. So that was pretty far away, like 100 miles or so. But no, I mean, you're li- on a map. You're talking like less than 50 miles. Oh, kind okay. of scenario. Like, you're probably talking about only 25 miles. So there's probably a lot of people that live there that claim to be in the city city. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like I live in the valley, but I say I'm from Los Angeles. Yeah. Very similar scenario. See, to that, that actually makes sense to me. It's the people that live in Anaheim that tell people they live in L.A that don't make sense to me. <laughs> no, no. Those people live in Disney. But Xavier actually experiences this flash and he he looks like he goes into pain from it. Yeah. And he he's, you know, feels this what he refers to as this incredible power and it's nothing like he's sensed before. So he tosses on the cerebral helmet. <laughs> let's, let's amplify this. Pain. Yeah, let's amplify the super painful power. So we we jump back to Lady Deathstrike and she mentions that her circuits were on fire and her guys try to like, well, like maybe we should blast our way in. She's like, no, no, no. If my adamantium talons, and this is the first time we acknowledge somebody else has adamantium outside yeah. of Wolverine, my adamantium talons are able to do that and the Morlocks were able to touch it. Lady Deathstrike says, we should find a human with adamantium claws. And I actually think this was a an error in the script or an error in the recording process because she is a human with adamantium claws. Mm-hmm. I think what she, she meant was she wants to find a mutant with adamantium claws. I didn't put that together. I guess I had assumed it was she didn't consider cyborgs to be human for whatever reason, but I don't know. I mean, that's that's totally a fair yeah. consideration too. But she did put a lot of stuff together really quickly, and I would argue actually kind of believably, like you know, a lot of times people are like, "Oh, this and this and this." Like, where did you get that information from? Because she put all that together, but also she deduced that it was a defensive shield that she had clawed that like zapped her and everybody else. So from that, we go back to the mansion and Gambit and Wolverine and Jubilee are playing basketball. I I mean, I am no professional athlete by any means. Usually don't play basketball with three people. Especially the way they were playing. If it looked like they were playing horse or something, that would have made sense. But it looked like they were playing regular five on five basketball with like imaginary people. (laughs) (laughs) 
Gambit posts up, takes a shot, and Wolverine's defense is, I'm going to pop the ball, which yeah. I'm pretty sure if they have played basketball before as a group, Wolverine should know there is a no-clause rule. Unless Gambit and Jubilee like forced him to, and Wolverine's like, we only have three people. What are we doing? <laughs> He just hates it so much. He's like, I don't want to play basketball. Why don't you two play one-on-one? And they're like, that's not fun. He also doesn't want to leave Jubilee alone with Gambit. So as they're playing, they have a outdoor video monitor by the edge of the basketball course, which sure, I, I anything to do with the architecture and technology of the mansion at this point, I'm totally yeah. okay with. And it's Leech who pops up. They quickly jump to making insults about Leech and Storm not letting people have their, their private number. Yeah, I guess it's like a reminder of like, oh, so you remember Storm, she's the leader of these the Morlocks. Yeah. Like. yeah, also... You can't really judge a group of people as being like the group of freaks when you're also <laughs> you're also the group of freaks, yeah. to be fair. And they they say, sorry, Storm's not here. And Leech says, well, no, I have a message from Yuriko and she needs Wolverine. Of course, that leads to the question of, well, who's who's Yuriko? Somebody I used to know a long time ago is Wolverine's response. And, you know, Wolverine doesn't want help because Wolverine never wants help. Yeah. And says it's personal. Yeah, and Ian Gambit says, like, it's always personal with Wolverine. <laughs> right. Jubilee, of course, refuses to listen because she's a teenager and mm-hmm. just refuses to listen. She still has kind of this, like, crush on Wolverine, right? She always goes after him. It's not. I, so I would, I will, I will throw this out there. I don't think it is a crush mm-hmm. at, like, in a romantic way. I think it is looking up to him yeah this is infatuation maybe yeah like i even even infatuation feels like the phrasing just like i think it's very similar to how rogue in the x-men movies looked up it's kind of like i want you to be my mentor even if you're not acknowledging you're my mentor kind of scenario (laughs) which also existed in the comics too not as much with jubilee as like the classic X-Men run where Kitty Pride joins the X-Men. Mm-hmm. She was really in that role of has had this, you know, almost father-daughter relationship with with Wolverine over the years and just knows if shit ever hits the fan, that's the person I want on my side kind yeah. of scenario. And then, you know, like we alluded to in, in, in our recent episode with Wally as our guest, you know, Jubilee keeps referring to the X-Men as her family, and she says it more than Vin Diesel does. Literally, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if we start totaling it up, she says the X-Men are her family more times than Vin Diesel has said it in the Fast and Furious franchise, even though now they've also lost their director because he's a douchebag. So family, not that strong. And Gambit utters, this family is nothing but trouble. And I thought that meant that he didn't go, but that quickly turns around in the the next part when we see like Wolverine in the sewers and then Ripley and Gambit are following. Yeah. So after the message is sent, Leech is like kind of like proud of himself, like, okay, cool, you can let me go. And she's like, well, no, we're going to dispose of you like a piece of garbage. I thought that, and I thought they shot him off camera. They 100% give the impression that they just offed him. Yeah. Which is extra messed up because if you look at the characters within the series, the two youngest characters are probably Leech and Ileana, Colossus's sister, because. Jubilee is in her teens. Mm-hmm. Leech, the way he talks and the way he acts, I kind of get the vibe. He's like nine or ten. Yeah. Like he's he and at least the way he's written doesn't even appear to be a teenager to me. Yeah, he's like pre-tween, pre-tween, pre-teen. Pre-tween. <laughs> he might be pre-tween. At that point, we get a flashback, and it is Wolverine 
And oh, also to be clear, they didn't kill him off camera. <laughs> it was just the net. Oh, it totally gave us the impression. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. just in case we didn't say that. Yeah. It was just the net that yeah. disabled him. They did the not room. kill a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we get a flashback of Wolverine and Yuriko. You, you look like you have thoughts, Rod. I just thought it was funny is that they're in love and then he's like, I'm going to Canada. And she's like, okay, I'm breaking up with you then. So as we have established, <laughs> the Canadian government, super evil apparently in, in the X-Men animated universe. I have no disrespect for the Canadian government as they currently exist. But he basically says, I have to go to Canada. There's a group of guys I can't say no to. And he promises to come back. So this is even further back in the Wolverine timeline than what we've seen so far. What were your thoughts at that point? As far as like like Wolverine's story? Or yeah, like-, like where did you think this was going? Like did you have it did you actually know at that point that this was before he had gotten his claws? Did you know it was the the Weapon X team? Like what were you thinking at that I, point? I didn't know where this fell in the timeline. I did know just because of like I don't know, maybe the back of a trading card or whatever I knew about Lady Deathstrike before that they were like a couple at some point. Yeah. From the animation I got that she wasn't that yet. Yeah. So I was yeah. So for clarity, Yuriko at this point was still unmodified human woman. Yeah, and pretty soft spoken. Like it was a different just person on top of like just the the visual stuff. Like she was soft spoken. She wasn't aggressive at all. She didn't seem like it. Uh, as opposed to the death strike that we saw that was like clawing at alien spaceships without question and and yelling at people and stuff so i actually thought that that moment was going to show us the lady death strike origin just because of their conversation and stuff and i had assumed that him leaving was one of those things right so so this was wolverine being the one to experience this this flashback not yuriko so wolverine is in black tactical gear and had that action figure yeah, I did. I did not, but I knew. I knew the the outfit very well. Is that one considered Weapon X? So that they are the part of like the. Oh, I wrote it down. Why did I? Why did I not? I thought I wrote it down because originally when I was taking notes down, I was like Weapon X, and then I had question mark because I knew that you know him in the the helmet without the shirt and like all the the probes on him and stuff. That was actually the Weapon Weapon X look. But yeah, I, I remember that action figure look. And I was actually kind of wondering if they put him in that outfit just to make another action figure. <laughs> So they don't get called it in the show, but the proper name of that team is literally just called Team X. And that team is Wolverine, Sabretooth, your favorite, Maverick, (laughs) who's the pilot of the helicopter. And it's essentially like their black ops crew. And Maverick's superpowers being forgettable. Only to you, Rod. (laughs) Only to you. He erases my mind. Very specific (laughs) mutant power. He literally just keeps shooting you in the same (laughs) spot, apparently. But unfortunately for Logan, they're ambushed. That leads to him, you know, falling out of out of the helicopter and Department H literally grabs him. And they show us a lot more repeat of his origin story than I thought. Like, it just kept going. Right. I thought they were going to super cut it together. No, they, <laughs> they actually give us a more in-depth version of his origin. And you have a doctor who is is chatting with Dr. Cornelius and you 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 get to re-experience Wolverine's origin story that we looked at in the Repo Man episode in greater detail. Out of that, we actually come back to, to the modern time and the Reavers ambush Wolverine in the tunnel. Wolverine, in, in the only way that they could do this is because it's the Reavers, but he literally is like slicing off arms and stuff like that. Yeah, he, and when he notices, he said something like, they're just tin cans. Bunch of tin cans. The, and he, it's the same thing that happened a few episodes. Well, actually, the other... The Repo yeah, Man yeah. episode. Yeah, he just, he's like, he's, it's like extra motivation. He's, right. He has something really against, like, 
robotics or cyber. It lets them unleash yeah. it. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting because you see one of the the Reavers grab their arm and almost look like they're trying to reattach it as yeah. they're still in like the heat of battle and stuff. It's such a, like a like an evil dead kind of vibe, you know? <laughs> Only cyborgs or whatever. I sorry, I got Sam Raimi on the mind because this week. So we actually get Death Strike, she pops out reveals herself to Wolverine and and she says I did it for you and that totally like mind-blown Wolverine at that yeah. point. She refers to herself as a living weapon of revenge and she did it for the murder and destruction of her life. Did you know where that was going at that point? So, I I thought it was just because he well, I guess it was. I was gonna say, I thought it was just because he didn't show back up because earlier in Wolverine's flashback he goes back and she's not there anymore. They didn't fill in the gap that I thought they would. I, I guess he was just gone way longer than she wasn't there, and there's no cell phones at that time. I, I didn't expect it to make the jump of she's like, so I turned to the cyborg gang and decided to express my dark or inner darkness, you know? Right, <laughs> and that's where we actually get the name check for the first time of the Reavers. Is she goes to the Reavers and she says they they basically made my my body match the inner darkness that is inside of me, and she reveals that the unnamed doctor who we were seeing in the flashback was Professor Oyama, mm -hmm. and he had designed the adamantium treatment, and then he had been killed during Wolverine's escape, and that man had a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and her name was Yuriko. Did they, maybe this is a question for later, but I don't remember them ever clarifying if Wolverine actually killed him. So Wolverine says he did not yeah. kill him. But we never come back to it, right? It was, it was fairly ambiguous as okay. to if he had died, how he had died, what made her believe he had died, it was it was a little it, it was it was left a little bit in the air, and I'm pretty sure that was on purpose. Okay, yeah, because and so then that all put together. I guess this is all like kind of like not in chronological order necessarily, but all happened really quickly together, so it still explained it. Was like okay, so not only did he not return, and that like broke her heart romantically, but also like in her head, at least maybe it's true, maybe it's not murdered her father right so that justifies a little bit better like why she just did this whole 180 transformation yeah and i think one of the things that the show has not really explored was the berserker mode for wolverine mm -hmm. which i mean even at this time was known in pop culture look at mall rats as a great example mall oh, yeah. rats came around around the time of this show and oh, wow. literally jason muse is talking about going into you know wolverine berserker mode in mall rats yeah so Yuriko tries to kill him and the re other Reavers are like, no, yeah, I think it's funny because this is actually a little bit of like a, a switch from the other villain henchman relationships. Usually like the henchmen are going in for the kill and then like the boss is like, no, 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 I got to like Sinister's like, I got to get, you know, Cyclops' DNA for something. So this is the opposite. She's like going in for the kill and, he's, and the, the Reavers are like, no, we need the alien tech. So right. Let's and, get that and then kill him. And I think the piece of it is while she definitely comes across as a little bit of like, let's call it a field leader of the group, mm -hmm. I also don't get the impression that she works or she is their boss. Like it's yeah. like it's kind of like on the mission she's in charge, but at the same time, all the Reavers don't work for her, yeah. at least in this iteration of their setup. It, 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 that may, that's what this implied, yeah. Right. Jubilee and Gambit catch up at this point. They don't keep a really good distance. Like you see- <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> they're like, oh, Gambit has this car and he's maybe 25 feet away in these lit up tunnels. Eh, is what it is. They see the Morlocks who are still trapped in those nets. 
And I guess the thing of the Nets is they just kind of incapacitate you because that's what got Wolverine was like, even yeah. though he can heal, he's just unconscious. It's kind of an energy drain kind yeah. of vibe. They get to the ship. One of the Reavers actually has the ability to just kind of like disintegrate the the <laughs> net, which was a super useful power to have. Yeah. And Wolverine refuses to to open the ship for them. Doesn't even know what it is, but he's just like, no, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, just on principle. Yeah. So a fight breaks out. Music kicks in. Gambit and Jubilee show up. Gambit actually gets grabbed by one of the nets Mm -hmm. but he's able to use his power so it kind of like gives him a little bit of his own concussive blast from the net blowing up but he's able to destroy it as it touched him and i was like that's pretty dope because everybody else who's getting touched by this net is just getting dropped yeah and he's pretty okay with it and they almost win actually yeah jubilee actually blinds one of the reavers she lifts up his glasses let's let's play the fun game (laughs) rod we have five reavers I don't know any of them. <laughs> let's just let's just go. Rod, based off of the descriptions of those individuals, I want you to give me the name of them. Let's start off with the person who's wearing mostly blue. The only thing human about him is his head, and he had like the you know metal arms that were showing. Yeah. What is his name? Jags. Pretty boy. We have the guy with the red head, and no, it is not Red Skull. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I thought that I knew it wasn't Red Skull, but when the animation came through, I was like, oh, that looks like Red Skull. God, I don't know. <laughs> Not Red Skull. <laughs> so that's Skullbuster. Oh, my God. So close. Yes, you had oh, one, one, of the, <laughs> one of the three syllables was accurate. Okay. Now I'm going to go with the, the two generic guys. You had the white guy and the black guy. Let's just guess what, what are names for these? I don't even know. Like I, they, they blended into like generic henchmen. They have generic henchmen names to be okay, fair. It was like Jack and um, like Mark or something. Murray Reese and Wade Cole. So I don't worry. I never Wait, expected what? you to go. But let's go with Tank Tread Guy. What is his name? Oh man, I can see the action figure package in my head. And it's the '90s, so it's going to be something extreme in '90s. Like, I will say you are on the right track. It, it's something where like. The S at the end of the word is a Z instead or something? Nope. Like, okay. Nope. There is, I'll, I'll give you a hint. There is no S in the name. Oh, my God. I don't like just tank or something. I don't know. Bonebreaker. Oh, my God. I can see it now. <laughs> so Jubilee is able to blind him. He has these like little like douchey shades on. Yeah. She picks him up, does her little sparkle in front of but him. I like it's because she's like standing on his platform behind him that he can't see she's able to do that during the course of that fight actually you know going back to the episode instead of me just using rod <laughs> wolverine throws lady death strike against the ship which causes another surge at that point professor x gets a little bit of a flash and the language in front of him literally says lethal predator yeah <laughs> which creepy death strike is kind of like stuck to the edge of the ship from its energy so wolverine runs up and slashes in it when that happens he inadvertently cuts through the ship itself essentially professor x is like oh we don't know what we're unleashing and you see this green light expanding out and this big single eye expanding and that's how we end the first episode of this it's a great cliffhanger I will always compare the cliffhangers to the the beehive. Or it was a one of the Professor X and Magneto and the Savage Land thing where they just like oh. a beehive down. Okay, and, yes. then, and then that's a cliffhanger. We're like, okay, as long as we're doing better than that, good cliffhanger. <laughs> so your baseline is the beehive Savage Land. See, when you said beehive, I was jumping to the Wandavision Beekeeper, mm. and I was super confused. <laughs> Actually, that's true. We didn't get that much closure on him either. 
I mean, we know he died or something. But. Yeah, it didn't work out well. <laughs> Pick right back up in the heat of the moment. The Reavers give, let's give E.T. a Reavers welcome. I appreciate the pop culture reference to E.T. Yeah. So it is this green energy monster that has these tendrils that come out of its body and it grabs the Reavers and, and drains them. It's like Mike Wachowski meets like Shumagorath. <laughs> I don't know about the Shumagorath part, but the Wachowski design <laughs> is not wrong. Yeah, he's, um, just, he's just transparent instead. Right. So that design is actually influenced by a 1956 movie called Forbidden Planet. Oh, okay. And we'll share the image on, on Instagram and stuff like that. But it's amazing because I pictured it in my head. And I'm like, what is this from? And then you look up Forbidden Planet and it's that classic like sci-fi from the 50s of a robot holding a woman. It's like the very like- Oh, I know what you mean, yeah. So the actual alien in this is based off of this energy monster that it's like, it's a red outline instead of a green outline. Mm -hmm. And it's just enough that it's an homage and not like straight up a rip, but it's yeah. really, really cool by comparison. So Gambit basically tells them to run ahead. He's gonna try to intercept and Jubilee jumps in front and gets grabbed by the tendril and it ends up draining her mm -hmm. essence out of out of her body. And Professor Xavier like senses it and he, he rides in pain too. And Wolverine actually slices through that that tendril. So- And scoops Jubilee up and starts Yeah. And we get a little bit of distance between this alien and Wolverine and, and the group. Wolverine starts blaming Yuriko. Yuriko starts blaming Wolverine. Gambit's whole attitude is, fuck this, let's run. Yeah. <laughs> Which we could say whatever we want about Gambit. I completely agree with him yeah. on this one. So like, keep running. Yes. And then we get what I think is probably one of my favorite moments of like, I, w I don't want to say this season because we're only two episodes into the season, but like, for beast moments, it's one mm. of my favorite beast moments that we've had in the series as a whole. He's at an art museum and he's literally talking shit about Jackson Pollock. Yeah, it's and a very I, Kelsey Grammer moment. I never would have gotten that that was shit talk when I was a kid. Yeah. Because he literally says, I can't tell the difference between what he puts on the canvas and what ends up on the floor. Yeah. But it's worded in such an intelligent manner. As a kid, I never understood what he was yeah, saying. Yeah, I didn't. I don't even think I recognize Pollock. Pollock like, is the one that's literally the just like, yeah, no, I know now, yeah. but oh, as a yeah. kid, yeah. like I, I don't, I think that whole thing is like, oh, he's in an art gallery and that lady doesn't want to talk to him. Right, but then he proceeds to give a lot of praise to Picasso. Mm -hmm. And there's this woman who's like very, very politely trying to inch over and he just, I think Beast is just oblivious and doesn't get the hint. He's still reeling from not having, you know, that the girl that he had the crush on, who he had helped her with her vision and such. Doesn't want uh, to put her in danger. Yeah. So he's gonna put this woman in, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she's an art snob. She deserves to be in danger. <laughs> she likes Pollock. Yeah. At that point, Professor gives his telepathic call and Beast jumps through the ceiling to, <laughs> to leave. By jumping on a massive sculpture. You didn't notice that part, right? Yeah, I was like, we're at an art museum. It's like, you, there's a door. There is a door. <laughs> X-Men don't like doors. So nobody looks up. We have the Gambit, Gambit. rule too. Yeah, he's always wearing- Always wearing a suit and X-Men don't use doors. Mm -hmm. If they can blast through a skylight or break something on their way out or Kool-Aid man out of the door or something, that's, that's the way to go. We cut back to the tunnels. The alien goes over to, is is catching up and goes past where the Morlocks are. The Morlocks are very, very calm and I'm just gonna have to assume that's because of the energy drain of the yeah. nets. They get absorbed without much pushback yeah. <laughs> or screaming. And 
I, I messed up in my notes and didn't write down who said this. Someone says, we'll worry about your whelp later. I don't know what that means. So that's Lady Deathstrike. Okay. Lady Deathstrike is like basically saying, leave Jubilee behind. Don't worry about her. Whelp is just kind of like shit talk of like she's worthless. Okay. Because I haven't heard, like, I usually hear whelp is like, whelp, guess I'm going to go now, you know? I just never heard it used as a noun. So that confused. And I double checked the captioning. I was like, she just says, we'll worry about your whelp. Okay. Okay. I guess that's slang or something. I don't know. Whelp just means young offspring. Oh, so that's pretty literal then. I didn't know that. I learned something about English to. Yeah. Young offspring of a canine, especially a dog or wolf, the young of a bear or similar mammal. Oh, she's calling her like just like an animal, like a pet or something. Right. Or the derivative is derogatory and insolent youth, a mere child. Oh, okay. So what we've we been doing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We're, Jubilee's just a teenager. We're she's crushing not. it right now. <laughs> and Deathstrike wants to just essentially run off and not deal with this. It's Gam- New York. Gambit is 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 concerned with Jubilee because they finally get a chance to like look at her and they realize her body is fine, but she has a green glow coming through her eyes. And and Gambit says body okay but nobody home because he doesn't use a full spectrum of a (laughs) sentence when he's talking and wolverine's like no we have to stop it if we don't there's going to be eight million victims for it to snack on thus new york York city City, yeah at least in 93 right (laughs) god knows what it is right now so you have the aliens start to bust through the wall and you see jubilee's face popping up in the like essentially the forehead region of this thing yeah and asking for for help, and then again, and then Gambit just his first reaction is like start shooting at it. Okay, that would be my reaction. <laughs> I I completely agree with Gambit on this one. I just think it's funny because I I agree with the monster part, but it's just funny. He's like when Jubilee's face appears, like kill it, kill it. We cut to date night with mm-hmm. Scott and Jean, and they're they're at like an Italian place and stuff, and it's. You know, I don't think we ever get to be alone, just the two of us. And immediately Professor X pops up in their head and Scott has to give the bad news to Sydney that it's going to be dinner to go. Sydney was actually a Fox executive. And I, oh, I apologies okay. to Sydney if you're listening. God, I don't know why you would be at this point. <laughs> Sydney Iwanter, I-W-A-N-T-E-R. Okay. And that is confirmed by the Leewolds in their book. That is not just random IMDb trivia. Random IMDb trivia incorrectly identified that as Tom DeFalco, who I mentioned in the Mojoverse episode, actually. okay. So it's even his physical likeness? I'm I'm gonna guess. It didn't say, but I would imagine if they're calling him Sydney, like, yeah. Because he's... he's a very specific look because in the, the X-Men show like whenever there's just like white guy number four it's they all always, look the it's very similar so this guy like look like a specific person right so that's kind of funny I was wondering why they named him specifically like why did they give this one-off waiter a name also <laughs> you have a guy named Sydney at an Italian restaurant that's hilarious yeah like so, so it's authentic he, <laughs> he looks like he should be like a Mario or like sorry the restaurant makes it look like it should be like a Mario an Antonio yeah. a Giuseppe yeah and it's like it's Sydney I'm like the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so come here, Yuriko. We get another awkward interaction between Wolverine and and Deathstrike, where Wolverine basically calls her out of like, well, the X-Men don't abandon their own, which I still feel like he's subtly giving digs to Scott for leaving yeah. Morph behind in episode one at yeah. this point. And also, it, it's been, what, so we're three seasons in now. Yeah. And it, it, because of what happened in season one, they're probably like, kind of like cemented that rule for him, you know? Right. Like for all of them, they're like, okay, we learned a lesson. No one leaves anybody behind. And 
in response to that, the Reavers all start <laughs> popping up in the alien's head, similar to how Jubilee was. And this sets off Deathstrike. And she like goes in for the attack, but Gambit jumps in and knocks her. Right. He's like, remember that, that was what we decided. The one thing we agreed on. <laughs> right. So Gambit goes to his method of, I'm just going to keep dropping rocks on its head, mm -hmm. which doesn't really do anything. And Deathstrike even points that out. She's like, it can just phase straight through this thing. And he's like, well, it buys a little time. So Wolverine regroups, comes up with the plan of Gambit, you need to get Jubilee out of here because he is going to stay and fight it because the adamantium is the only thing they have seen that can actually hurt it. Mm -hmm. Gambit, not a fan of this plan. Basically like, oh, why do you get to go be the hero again? Which is a little weird. I've never actually, it is the first time it actually felt like their relationship had like a jealous moment. Yeah. Did you notice that too? Like it was, it was, I didn't notice it outright, but now yeah. you mention it. Yeah, it's like it's like since when has Gambit cared about being a hero? Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know if maybe it's it's even like a subtle callback to when Wolverine locked the door behind them in the fight against Master Mold and things like that. We'll say that. Yeah, but the the green light flashes, Wolverine and and Deathstrike kind of like claw, claw their down. way through. And they realize that his dug underground and Wolverine says it could be miles away. I don't think Wolverine is, I think Wolverine is giving it a little too much credit as to the speed that which yeah. it travels if it's moved miles that quickly, but it just kind of shoots through a wall on the side. It is intelligent. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but it grabs Lady Deathstrike's leg, knocks her on her ass, basically. Mm -hmm. The X-Men arrive at that point. It completely undoes the plan with taking Jubilee back. Yeah. It's just <laughs> and, like. And Professor Xavier's like, she's just as safe here as anywhere else. It's like, is she? <laughs> so Jean tries to read the mind of this alien. And it kind of like gives her, uh, you know, a psychic pushback. Mm -hmm. And she she essentially says it was almost, you know, more than she could bear. Yeah, she says the mind is repellent. It, it was an interesting wording to be. Yeah. It um, sounds like bug spray for the mind. I, I mean, natural defenses. <laughs> but Cyclops does what Cyclops does best and gets ready to attack it. And Wolverine stops him. Yeah. He's like, no, they're in there. The, the, our friends are in there. So they scare the the alien off for mm -hmm. for. Let's yeah, scare. Scare seems yeah, right. Yeah, it's like let's make it farther away from us, even though that's the opposite of what we were trying to do earlier. So they split up into two groups with Beast and Xavier going to And the and, to the, and to, the unconscious bodies. Oh, and the bodies. <laughs> yes, and the bodies, absolutely. To the ship. And everybody else moves out to intercept the the, the alien. And then they have the really weird, awkward Windows screensaver transition is the only way I could describe it. It's literally just like a bunch of like blocks pop up. It's like the defaults in like the like the early 2000s, like Final Cut and Windows Movie Maker thing for your like photo montages. You know, like it does like it's like a wipe with blocks. It's a, it, that's actually. Yeah. So we talked about there's the X wipe, which just showed up in like two or three episodes yeah. at this point. This is the block wipe, <laughs> which somebody must have thought that was really cool. I'm going to the only thing I could connect to it is, oh, there's like cyborgs in this. So it's techno -y or something. Let's I think that is fair. Yeah, especially like little foreshadowing to something that's going to end this episode, which would kind of be on brand. <laughs> so Xavier and Beast get to the ship. They determine it's safe to enter. And when they get inside, they see that there's this like containment pod that has been shattered. You know, all assumptions. That's where this this alien was. And they see this this alien writing, which we've seen Professor X have the ability to very like quickly interpret this earlier, like when he saw a lethal predator, stuff like that. B says he would he would essentially kill for a Rosetta Stone at this point. Yeah. Which at the time, kid had no idea what no, a Rosetta Stone was. Now 
great reference because that has yeah. become such a popular thing for people to learn languages is Rosetta. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually didn't know the story about the Rosetta Stone till after college, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, un- until it was literally the brand name of a language yeah. learning software, I didn't know what it was either. But there is a, a little marker on that that collapsed pod. Professor touches it, and all of a sudden, instantly, he understands Alien. Yeah, just like when you buy Rosetta Stone. That could be sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> I also, they're definitely not going to sponsor it after what we've just said. But I also appreciate he not only understands it, but he goes over to this keyboard, which... Let's let's go with suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. that he's able to see the the keys even though we can't because they aren't going to animate every single yeah. key. There's all blank. But he this this is like a seven by seven keyboard that he's just like typing away like yeah. crazy. Like he gets what's going on there. It's like R two D two with his little data probe thing in any spaceship. Just just knows <laughs> the universal language of space, and he sends Beast back to the party. And Beast is a little uncomfortable. He's not feeling yeah. it. He's like, are you there? Are you there? Okay, whatever. Yeah. So we jump back to the group and that's where they start to to get a little bit of a message about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Basically, this was an alien prison ship and the alien on it was called the Spirit Drinker. And it was supposed to be like floating around in space forever. Guessing this alien race just said kind of, this isn't our problem. It's somebody else's now. They have the same philosophy as the X-Men do with their enemies. Just let it go. Yeah, just like, let's just see. Let let go and let God, and we'll see what happens in the future. It'll work out fine. So as they're hearing this and learning the history of the spirit drinker, we see a guy who's climbing through levels of underground in the subway. He gets zapped. The spirit drinker pops up, flips a subway train in New York. And again, I am 100% convinced that the animation team (laughs) has never seen a subway in New York because they don't look like actual new york subway cars which which have looked the same for 45 years it looked more like a bullet train or something yeah like yeah also something real quick gene when professor x says like this is a prisoner she's like how do you know that And he's like i don't know is like is that the best advice beast just trusting right now yeah he has no idea why he knows this and that's a little awkward gene starts to notice at that point that the spirits within are starting to grow weaker Mm -hmm. so that kind of gives the whole like we need to do something we need to do something now wolverine determines you know he's gonna get closer everybody else keep the the tentacles off of him oh and so rod has like printed out notes i have shitty looking handwritten notes and i couldn't figure out what this phrase meant but i said tries to use voices okay that means the alien starts using the voices of the people it is possessed and tries to convince you know it's kind of like there's no hope it's not worth doing and trying to get them to give up that's why jubilee said no Yes. Okay, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I I think in in conjunction with Gene saying that the spirits were growing weaker, mm-hmm. it meant that the actual spirit drinker was able to utilize them and weaponize them, yeah. as opposed to them trying to break out of it. And I like when Wolverine goes for it. Death, everybody else is like, okay, we'll keep the tentacles off you, and Death Strikes like, you won't succeed. Remember Kung Pao, Legend of the Fist? I've not it, seen that. Oh, really? It probably doesn't age well. Oh, I guarantee it does not but age well. But in college, it was like the funniest thing, because how much made fun of like the bad overdubs and stuff. And there was like a part where they're like, you'll never succeed. And they're like, thank you for supporting me. He's like, you'll never do it. Like, <laughs> so when, when that happens, Wolverine actually gets like, 
kind of nabbed by one of the tentacles, Mm -hmm. is able to cut it off, and he lands essentially on like the third rail. So for Mm -hmm. people who don't know, subways, they don't have like something above them to provide power. It's actually just another rail to the subway, which is super, super electrified, and it kind of zaps the the tendril of the spirit. Yeah, kind of looks like a little like wormy dealy that is writhing in pain. And they all realize, well, if the third rail can do it, let's use this to our advantage. So Wolverine charges back in kind of as a distraction. Gambit pulls out his extending bow staff, Mm -hmm. launches it, and it kind of like lands in the middle of the soul drinker, hits that third rail. So props to Gambit for an amazing shot. (laughs) And it just literally just shoots tons and tons of electricity he also within him. like won awards as a track and field in high school apparently yeah javelin <laughs> so he did that before he was a member of the thieves guild and that's why they recruited him yes See, we put our whole head cannon together. yeah his his track and field <laughs> skills super valuable for thieving when that happens the soul drinker explodes it feels weird to me to use the word soul when it's like an alien technology because yeah. i associate soul to religious thought yeah, and yeah. such but you the, see these they the, call it spirit drinker right so we can call it spirits i guess oh yeah spirit drinker not soul drinker i don't know we've been drinking (laughs) i've been drinking so the spirits return to their various bodies and very rapidly jubilee and lady deathstrike are back up and on their feet (laughs) and you get this really awkward interaction between deathstrike and and wolverine where she's basically like yeah today i owe you my life but i'm coming back and then she bows to him and again she literally was trying to kill logan and they just let her walk off but she i can't speak to the x-men's version like thing except that they always do this but at least lady deathstrike she has a very like samurai kind of honor to her so that's the bowing and then she's like okay i won't murder you or your friends right now even though that's literally my goal right (laughs) i personally as somebody who could be in the shoes of an x-men i don't want the person called deathstrike walking around freely just Uh, maybe that's me i guess someone in that team is like it's like well we already let apocalypse omega red they're just going through the list like she's not the highest on the list. No, Omega Red is the one they've actually done something with. They froze him. Yeah. Everybody else. Okay, and then Apocalypse. Apocalypse just kind of like fucked off and, and left. Yeah. But everybody else they've let walk. See, if I was in charge of the X-Men, every time we'd have like, it'd be like the Ghostbusters, you know, except we take the ghost containment unit and let's launch into the sun. This is why you're not a superhero. <laughs> this is why I'm not a superhero because I agree with you. <laughs> we return to the ship. The professor basically acknowledges that he has like these visions that that happen from mm-hmm. the, the contact with it. And we see four very distinct things. You see this space war where mm-hmm. it's ships shooting at each other. The ships are kind of in like a cross formation. Like they're just as they're skinny, like a, almost like a T-shape or a plus sign yeah. kind of scenario. You see this alien robot looking creature with like bulbous eyes on the side but it's all mechanical so you don't know if that's actually the alien themselves or that's just armor or a spacesuit what i interpreted as a black hole and then this male figure with really unique harsh like hairline and lots of guy liner under his eyes it's a, a like a like Flash Gordon kind of look. Yeah, very yeah. <laughs> much, very very much like the villain from Flash Gordon. That's a yeah. that's a great description of it. <laughs> and and Professor X kind of gives the vibe of this this feels like it's only the beginning because everybody's relieved this spirit drinker is gone, but Professor X knows there's more to come and we see what I unfortunately consider like the low point in the <laughs> animation of an episode 
where there is this really tacky fire that's showing up like in the scene around Earth. And it says, coming soon, the Phoenix Saga, which is great from a promotional perspective of if you were watching the X-Men and you knew about the comics, hearing the Phoenix was like the biggest thing you could have heard. You have to take it for where it was at the time in the 90s and the way animation was, because God, that is the worst aging of anything I've seen visually on the show up to this point. I agree, because at the time, I don't think it stood out to me in a bad way. Like, if anything, I was probably excited by seeing real fire, you know? Like, it wasn't animated fire. It was <laughs> yeah, like, it, was, like, it was actually superimposed <laughs> real footage on but it top was, of that. You know what, what like, kind of made it more janky is that you could tell it was just rotated 45 degrees because the flames are going straight up, but then, like, they're, like... Ro- it starts it's, curving. Yeah, it's not... It, but it's not, it's not, like, you know how if you, like turn fire it'll curve back up to straight up this was just like straight lines at 45 degree angle yeah. you know like <laughs> no, no, the the when i say it was turned i'm literally referring to <laughs> the cells were turned yeah. on top of it yeah no and then the doubt. phoenix saga like it, it actually you know what it looked like was a powerpoint especially for the 90s because it was like the one thing like fire popped up and then the words was like word art popped up phoenix saga yeah. i've definitely seen recent presentations that look like that right yeah <laughs> So the cool like thing about this is this was presented three months before the next two episodes or the next episodes were going to come out. Oh, wow. So this came out in July and August, and it wasn't until like the actual fall where the Phoenix Saga episodes did. So this was literally a promo thing, and this was a prime time setup. They were actually promoting episodes of the Power Rangers in a multi-part episode as well. Power Rangers started the week prior Mm -hmm. and had three weeks. This was a two-week X-Men thing. I remember this as one of the episodes I saw the most on television, though. I will say that. You know, we're talking about, like, I don't remember maybe ever seeing the Carol Danvers episode ever before doing, like, my rewatch. This one, I guarantee you, I saw this episode a dozen to two dozen times, no question. I guess it makes sense if they use it as a promo thing. I don't remember if I saw it more, but I definitely, this is one of the ones that I like remember pretty clearly because they did that strike and everything. But it makes sense if they use this like as a teaser for the upcoming fall season or whatever. Man, I, I wish I could explain to anybody that didn't live through it how big teasing and promoting new show seasons were, especially for kids' cartoons. I remember, do you remember like when they did uh, TJF and stuff? Of course. And sometimes there would be like a full hour block of just like 10 minute snippets of what's coming in like two months. Yeah. And then I, I remember my family, we would sit, we would record on VHS. It was an event. Well, right, because you had to watch it live because yeah. <laughs> there was there was no on-demand abilities at that point. There was no Netflix, none of the on-demand services, none of the proprietary services. Like, you, if you weren't there to watch it, yeah. you were setting a VCR. And most people, like, the joke is, oh, kids were the ones who had to set the VCR. And it's true. Yeah. <laughs> like literally the youngest people in the family were the ones who knew how to work the VCR. And if you had somebody who was too young in the family to work the VCR versus somebody who's too old to understand how to program a recording session on the VCR, you just didn't get those episodes. Yeah. And, but man, that whole like whenever they had that promo stuff, I don't remember the Power Rangers cross promotion with the X-Men, but it makes sense. If there's a show popping off, then like during a commercial break or in the 15 minutes after the episode, they're like, stay tuned. The new Marvel X-Men, whatever is coming out or and stuff. I, I remember they- I mean, promoted. they didn't even call it Marvel's X-Men at that point. Oh, they yeah. Did, yeah, it was just the oh, X-Men. Yeah. 
Or I, I remember once when the Power Rangers movie was coming out, they made a big deal out of that song, the music video for the Power Rangers movie. I definitely don't like, remember that song. You probably remember the song, but don't want to remember it. It's it's called. We'll look it up after. It's these. called Trouble by Shampoo. I, I oh God, yeah, I do. Yeah, know. yeah. I recently yeah. posted on Facebook. Our, our mutual friend Phil Ranta made a comment. He was like, "This is peak '90s because." Yeah, this, this was made into a music video, put on a Power Rangers soundtrack, the angles, the production, the editing, and that these two were allowed to sing and get paid for it. <laughs> but they made a whole event out of it, just the promotion of a music video that was in promotion of a movie that was coming out based on a TV show. It sounds convoluted, but it was kind of exciting at the time. So it, it, all this to say about it making sense that you've seen it so many times, because it probably actually reran multiple Saturdays. Probably until the actual season started too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the the Christmas episode, which again, I don't want to go into the specifics of it, but mm -hmm. I remembered seeing that episode air a bunch. Yeah. And it's probably because there were conveniences to it. Like the fact that you could see it multiple times during the month of December for the Christmas episodes. This was like, hey, you know those new episodes which are coming out in three months? Yeah. You're going to get to see this a lot. But yeah, so this is promo for the Phoenix Saga, which is going to be an interesting recording session because we have the phoenix saga which is five yeah. parts and we hopefully don't want that to be 76 hours of recording <laughs> and then there is a follow-up story four episodes later that kicks into another five-parter so it's going to be interesting season three for us so it's just, still better than when fox tried to tackle the phoenix saga like i mentioned we will on the next episode get into a little more of the bts of the show but they at this point were given the edict from fox of no season long stories including the interstitial style of the savage land episodes oh wow but that resulted in multi-part episodes this being two episodes the next story with the phoenix saga being five mm -hmm. the other one i was mentioning being a five-part scenario so that was just some stuff to, to to be aware of like that's why the storytelling changed from a process scenario man this is one of those things where like i kind of hate that the history is lost to whatever executive made that decision they're not going to come out and say that unless maybe maybe they would but probably not mm -hmm. and then if they're not already gone it when they're gone like it's just rumors and hearsay about why that specific decision was made, you know? Right. Because obviously the show did well, unless they got some really specific feedback that it was hurting the show to have like the overarching storylines. All I mean, Wally was just on the last two episodes telling us about how, and we all agreed we loved when these storylines carried over and when they teased us. Even when they made the compromise of the Savage Land being little interstitials for several episodes. I don't think anything read not working to us. I think that the executive team at that point still believe children's programming had to be one way. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe they just didn't see the value of getting a 13-year-old viewer watching a cartoon on Saturday morning, not realizing that we would grow into the ones who literally, like, I mean, dude, we, we've talked about this. All the Hasbro Pulse figures that are remakes of these, I have pre-ordered all four of them at yeah. this point. So they wanted to sell the quick, $3 action figure at Toys R Us mm -hmm. rather than how do you build the people who are going to be spending money because I mean let's let's be real in the 90s you were weird if you were an adult who was buying action figures I in my situation I don't have a whole lot of experience really remembering that but I could I could see that happening is is and just because our generation is the one that kind of carried on like the normalizing, you know, right. collecting and stuff yeah well, actually you know that makes sense because early 2000s there was the 40 year old virgin movie you know and they presented him as pretty much a loser because he collected toys. Right. And now people are literal like like have made wealth off of 
toy channels and collections and stuff. your house is a giant museum of I mean I you know <laughs> and and I really took a break from any like geeky stuff aside I stayed in video games but mm-hmm. I wasn't buying comics for the majority of high school and college I wasn't buying any action figures and stuff like that and now like Rod said I <laughs> My house is a nightmare. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. I wish I had. I don't have the focus for the collections. <laughs> don't look at my dining room table if we want to talk about not having focus for collections. I do get nostalgia. I mi- I really miss the first two or three runs of the Toy Biz X-Men toys mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I have a couple key pieces like the Storm Action figure and stuff like that. Is uh, it the the one with the chest that lights up in yeah. the, the lightning bolt? Yeah, okay. I got one for myself for Christmas a couple years back, and you know, of course, the battery doesn't work anymore. And of course, they make it so that to replace the battery, you have to break your head off. That's a really big design flaw. Yeah. Well, they also, once again, they were probably just counting on like short term. Yeah. Like, quick- Kids will play with this for six months, and that'll be broken mm-hmm. and gone. <laughs> 30 years later. <laughs> yeah. Rod's like, oh, fuck, how do I do this without destroying her? I'm just going to let the battery acid eat through her head first. Some other interesting facts on this. We already talked about that the spirit drinker was inspired by the monster from Forbidden Planet. That'll get shared. The name of the episode was actually inspired by a film from 1947 from Robert Mitchum. And it's literally all about the past catching up to somebody. So super appropriate to the, the Wolverine and Yuriko narrative. Some of the things that Eric Lewald mentioned, again... I don't know what he doesn't like about the Canadian government, but he literally, <laughs> literally says that this story, again, talks about the evil Canadians because we get the the great flashback of Wolverine and, and such. Well, great for us, not great for Logan, obviously. And then he was very happy with two lines from Wolverine in the episode, one being suck on this. <laughs> you know, I remember my brother saying that, and I think he got in trouble at school. I it. would imagine so. <laughs> but there was also a Bugs Bunny reference where Wolverine says he doesn't know me very well, does he? I didn't put that together, but yeah, that totally makes sense. I have not watched Bugs Bunny in forever, so I also missed it. I remember, I might be mistaken, but my memory, like when you said that, it reminded me of Elmer Fudd saying something and then Bugs Bunny being like, he doesn't know me very well, does that Man, okay, I didn't didn't pick up up on that until you mentioned it. I'm really happy I invested in this book. I also have the other animated series book, but... It's mostly artwork stuff, right? I don't know, I haven't. (laughs) I can't read two books simultaneously. I want so bad to talk about like why the ending before the weird title card thing about the Phoenix Saga was so exciting, but it's spoiling the next, I don't even know how many episodes Fourteen episodes are going to (laughs) be. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 14 episodes of the show and then whatever our episodes are. Yeah. Well, I mean like with the specific Phoenix Saga, it's five show episodes of of X-Men. I don't know how much it's going to end up for us. We're trying. trying. We're trying to do the five-parter in two episodes. Yeah. And we're possibly in the next five-parter going to have a guest. And we're also trying to do that within two episodes. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. But I won't say, like, the all the little teasers they gave us of, like, the, the guy in the Flash Gordon makeup and and the, the, the bulbous eye robot armor thing or stuff. I was... I didn't know it at the time, but now watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, it's coming. I know exactly. Now it's so exciting to see, like, you know, knowing what's coming. So the the funny thing is in the comics up until that point, the name Phoenix had been used and stuff. But I don't think I understood the gravity of the Phoenix saga and Mm. what that meant, because Phoenix at that point in the comics was Rachel Summers, not not Jean Grey. So the, the the series kind of like folk like 
change it to Jean for good then? No, no. So in the comics, Rachel is is from an alternate future, like a okay. Days of Future Past scenario. Mm-hmm. So she has the Phoenix power from there. I was too young to have read the Phoenix saga or what follows it. So I didn't understand the gravitas until after. I mean, I probably didn't read because I said I literally dropped out of of comics for, Mm -hmm. you know, high school and college. I don't think it was until I was like at my tail end of college when I actually read the Phoenix stories and the Dark Phoenix saga. Oh, wow. So I don't actually think I've ever read the comics of those sagas. So the interesting thing about the comics of that era versus the comics of today, you can look at a trade that is a six issue trade and read it through really fast. Mm-hmm. I read the Thunderbolts trade, which is Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts. It's like the mm-hmm. second story of the Thunderbolts, which is like a 12 issue maxi series and a offshoot like annual on a flight. And it took more of the flight because Comics back in that day used to say a lot more. It was way wordier. The storytelling was was a little bit of a different style. I don't know if you would enjoy the classic comics. I feel like oh, yeah. you, you would dig the more current ones, but given you, what you've told me about how you like to read and stuff like that, I don't. I I think it would be closer to reading a novel to you than reading a modern day comic. It, for me, like the superhero stories, I, I kind of fall in the mainstream. Where like the MCU, the part of the reason I'm such a huge fanboy of it. Even with Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, not my favorite thing, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'll probably buy it or whatever. Are basically just like a visual, visual, a live action comic books to be, you know? It's kind of how I experience it because I don't know if it's just my head has a hard time filling in stuff, like with how comic book. I remember owning comic books as a kid, but they were like little one off things. I wasn't following whole storylines. I'd get like one comic because I thought the cover was cool. And like I remember getting like two or three in a row because they had Venom. Mm. And I liked him. I wasn't following a storyline. I was like, cool, I guess even I'm like tear people's heads off. And that was that was the point of what I was reading. I couldn't right. tell what story that was. But that's really cool. I, this, I'm excited about the Phoenix sagas coming up because the X-Men animated series is my canon Phoenix sagas because it's what I compare everything else to. Of including course. those shitty movies. And on that note, thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for the official Instagram post or the YouTube upload of this episode. You know what? Leave some comments on, on TikTok too. Rod would love <laughs> to have more excuses to keep posting on TikTok. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox. And I'm just... <laughs> so intimidated that we have a five-part story in our next recording session i wish there was a way to represent in speech like the the rotated fire effect that could be our sign off no we can't <laughs>